Welcome to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections, a podcast all about helping you comfortably connect with others in any situation. Hosted by Leanne and John, this podcast is proudly brought to you by Fortitude at Work. Fortitudeatwork.com.au Welcome to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections. <laughs> well done, Johnny. Uh, and then she's given it away. I'm Johnny. <laughs> I'm John, and you are... Oh, who do you want me to be today? Okay, very funny. <laughs> I'm Leanne. Good. Good. We know who each other are now. What are we talking about now, today? On oh, this you sound a little bit cranky. No, no, no. no I just want to get into Got it. Got your cranky pants on, huh? <laughs> I'll just take my cranky pants off. <laughs> Give me a second. There's the happy pants. Oh, good. <laughs> Woohoo! The happy pants. You'll be doing a happy dance later. Yes. I'll look forward to that little routine. It's great for podcasts. That's right. It's perfect, isn't it? Um, look, this week I wanted, I really wanted to talk about a subject very close to my heart that I love dearly and mm. could talk about 24-7. You won't be hearing much from me during this particular podcast. I think we will. Okay. I want to talk about selling. Okay. So of the two listeners that we have, mm. one probably, you know, is, is not a small business person or something and they're probably going, oh, gee, delete this episode. Selling. Selling. But. Mm. The psychology of selling. That's right. Okay. Before you hit delete mm. or skip, don't do it. Okay. This is good stuff. That's right. We haven't even done it yet. That's we? right. We're already we're, spruiking we're, we're it. confident. We're selling it to you. Okay, so psychology of selling. Yeah, but I want to talk about why it's important for everybody to hear about this episode first. Oh, whether you sell things to people or not. That's right, whether you sell things to people. Because I think fundamentally we're all salespeople. So we're selling something all the time. All the time. Okay. We're selling something all the time. We might be selling to our partners to take us to a fancy restaurant or take us to the restaurant we want to go to. The boss. The bank. Yeah, the boss, the bank. The partner. Friend going to the movies. Yep. You know, you want to convince them that you want to go see the chick flick mm -hmm. as opposed to the gory horror movie. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got to do a sell job, you're haven't you? You're stereotyping there just a little. Okay. Generalising. Oh, sorry. I like, well, I like the odd chick flick. Yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I don't have to sell to you. <laughs> However, mm. that's a sales job. Yes. And, you know, if you look at social media, even if you're not doing a social media campaign, all I've got to do is look at a Facebook, um, my Facebook wall, you mm -hmm. know, of a morning. Pretty much we're all selling ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Check, out, check out these cornflakes. Check out my life. <laughs> Woohoo! We're yeah. selling the good life, aren't yeah. we, really, yeah. on social media. So today I want to talk about selling because I actually think, um, even though this is a great episode for small business owners to mm. be listening to, I think, personally, mm. not to toot my own horn, but I also think, too, it's it's an excellent episode for anybody who wants to influence people. And make friends. And make friends. How to win friends and influence people. Is yep. that the right Something term? like that. Something like that. Dale Carnegie. Yep. A lot of people quote that as their favourite book, by the way. Hmm. Yeah, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, it's been a long time since I've read it, though. No. Well, you could write it now. Oh, yeah, but I digress. Okay. Johnny, let's get back to selling. Yep. So that's why I think it's important because we are actually selling every day to one another. And um, if we're able to influence people in a positive way, and I think the, even the term influence has got a bit of a bad rap mm, so nowadays. Does, so does selling. Yeah, so does selling. Mm. And in fact, I think it's probably the hardest um, profession out there. And and it's the most important, you know, small businesses 
any business doesn't survive if we don't know how to actually sell the get, product or service. Got to get the sales in. Yeah, so yeah. so it's actually quite quite complex, but um, but um, yeah, it's got a bad name, and the word influence, I guess, has got a bad name too. So um, let's start by just explaining that what I'm talking about here is um, the a positive uh, a positive impact on decision making. Mm-hmm. Positive impact. Positive impact on decision making. Do you get what I'm saying there? No. I'm saying influence is a good thing. It is. Yeah. Because it has a positive impact on decision making. On decision making. Okay. If I, you know, if, if I use that, if if I use that approach well and ethically, that's oh. what I'm saying. It's not about you know, it's it's not about influencing somebody to sign up for a. Or to do something they don't want yeah, to do. Or okay. that they okay. you know may not serve them well okay, from so. what you know at that point in time. So that would for me that's a fundamental belief in whatever the product or service that you're selling. So you actually believe in it. Yeah. Um, you believe that it actually will have a positive impact on the person's life. Yeah. That that, that buys the the product or service. Yeah. And um and and doing that in a way. Uh, with confidence and instilling trust, yeah, and uh, so that the relationship is built built on trust and, and confidence, and that whatever the interaction is, that there's a benefit. Yeah, definitely a benefit. So what I wanted to try—that's exactly right. There's a benefit, and a mm. benefit to both parties yep. in some way, and that could be something like let me go first in the bathroom mm. this morning, mm. as to you know buy this nice shiny red Toyota off me. Yep. So there's a benefit to both parties yep. um, in whatever uh, situation. So I, I guess what I wanted to kind of talk about today is that level of influence, but from a very general perspective um, with no given product or service in mind mm. or, or situation, but just generally. Mm. And um, something that I read um, years ago um, from S- Stephen Covey and his work on um, Seven Habits Mm-hmm. of highly effective people. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the habits that he spoke of, maybe we've talked about this before, I don't remember, mm. was um, always beginning with the end in mind. Yeah. And I think that's the very first step in any successful sales situation is to begin with the end in mind. Mm. And too often I know in small business when I uh, work with clients who want to improve their selling, um, they don't necessarily have a goal mm. that they want to achieve. They just want to get, you know, the product or the service in the hands of the customer at any cost. Yeah. Um, but I think it, what if you set a goal, you've got kind of got something to work towards. Yeah. And I think the same is true even in personal interaction. You know, if you, mm. if my end goal is to get you to come out to dinner with me. Mm then I need to have that set in my mind before I work to, to selling that idea to you. What do you think? The value of goal setting. Yeah, value of goal yeah. setting. Well, the alternative is to be directionless. Yeah. Um, so if you just have a, if your goal is to just make a sale, um, then it really doesn't have much longevity to that, does it? Yeah, that's right. It doesn't have uh, resales. It doesn't have, uh, it doesn't for make the relationship more connected. It, yeah. it has no, uh, yeah, no longevity. And in a business context too, you know, if the end in mind is I'm going to sign this client or I'm going to sell them a thousand widgets, mm. then what that also does is it begins to enable you to develop a strategy to get to the end point mm. rather than just jumping in. So if I've decided I'm going to sell a thousand widgets to customer X, then I might um, map out the likelihood that that's going to take me three meetings mm. 
to get my 1,000 widgets sale. Mm. Whereas if I don't have that goal, it's like, oh, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to pitch and see what I can get. Mm. Um, and sometimes I don't even get a follow-up call or a you know a, a, an agreement on terms of trade or anything. Mm. I don't get anything. Whereas if I had, uh, you know, a 1,000 widgets of my target and I did a bit of research and went, you know what, it's probably going to take me two or three calls to get a 1,000 widgets, that's mm. a lot. Mm. Um, then my expectation on the first call is not to close a deal. Mm. It's to have another call. Yeah. So. And that becomes a very important part of the of the sales process, the strategic sales process. So I think that's a really good first step is to begin with the end in mind. And I think that the second thing um, that we need to know quite a lot about is um, a bit of research on who we're selling to or who we're pitching to. Know your customer. Yeah, know your customer. And I think you and I had a classic example of this um, a couple of weeks ago. I went and did a little bit of reflective research on mm. you and I. Mm. And I was planning a bit of a weekend away with the old girlfriends. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think you were, I, well, antsy is probably the wrong word, but you were starting to pitch for your own little um, well, so weekend op- away. There was an opportunity there for me to go away with with my mates. Yeah, you yeah. were starting to pitch. And, and what I mm. did was I just took a step back and I went, you know what, how well do I know this person? Mm. I think I know this person pretty well. And what I was able to do was to leverage your past boy mate weekends away mm. that you've already had because I know you so well yep. after 21 years together. Mm. And I was able to actually add up in my head how many boys' weekends you've had versus how many girls' weekends I've had. So in the uh, in the uh, fair and uh, even Stephen world, <laughs> that's right. I, I was I was in deficit, or, or uh, sorry, you're in deficit. So no, I was in deficit. So you've got another three weekends away before. I most certainly okay. do, mate. Okay. That's correct. Okay. But that's my point. Yep. Is you know. How well do I know the person that I'm actually influencing? So so when I started to talk about I'm having a little bit of an extended weekend away with the girls, mm. what I did was, was start with, remember at that time that you went to the Gold Coast? Mm-hmm. Remember that time you went to Ayers Rock? Mm-hmm. Remember that time you went to your mate's place down in Sydney? So I was able to frame it mm. in a way that already had you Going, yes, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, so that when I pitch my idea, mm-hmm. suddenly there's a bit of equilibrium there and there's a bit of understanding around balance or fairness or whatever you want to call it. Okay. So, so, we're so, on the same yeah, so you think you know me. <laughs> think you know me well. That's right. So how That's does right. that, how does that uh, work with other relationships uh, and customers? Yeah, well, I, I actually think that that's probably the key to se- successful selling is um, really making sure that you know the person that you're pitching to, be that your partner mm. or um, or a business client um, because pe- fundamentally people like those most like themselves, mm. to be honest. Okay. So if I were to think about my best, closest and dearest friends, Um, I think we're pretty similar in our values and our attitudes. Uh, We're quite similar in the way that we think. Mm. And that's probably why we're good friends Mm. in that we've got similar values. We're not identical and we do argue on certain points, but fundamentally. You spend a lot of time going, oh, I I agree with you so much. You are so right. That's right. So the better I can um, demonstrate to the other person, the customer or 
you know, my partner. A bit of mirroring? Yeah, a bit of mirroring that I understand their environment, the situation that they're working in. Uh, The more empathy I'm likely to have for who they are and what's important to them. And also what their pain is as well. Yeah, so if I can better relate to them on that level, then um, I think I'm more likely to be able to build a relationship with them. Mm. And fundamentally, uh, if we're going to bring this back to business, people don't buy off brands. They don't. They buy off people. They buy off people. Yeah. Um, it, particularly in a small business environment. The only exception to that, that whole notion of buy off brands, um, is if there is um, usually it's some sort of disposable good that we might be associate or attached to. So, for example, I do, okay, I do like Kraft peanut butter. Mm. So I do buy the brand Kraft peanut butter. Mm. But it's a disposable item and it costs me, what, $4.72 or something in at Woolies. So I can afford to have a little bit of that type of, um, I guess, loyalty to that, that kind of brand. But mm. otherwise, and particularly when it comes to either a new product, a new purchase that's new to my life or a a substantial outlay in something, Mm. um, then really it's it's about how well do I trust the person. Mm. And even those huge brands, you know, the the Nikes and Apples and things like that, even in those situations they will be fronted by people that that you trust, that you admire. Yeah. uh, And... and so it's, the, it's your relationship with those people and what you think of those people that actually helps you make the decision to purchase that brand. Yes. Yeah. And, in fact, I would argue, because I think we saw this realised time and time again with Billy Goat, mm. I would argue that it is those people um, that can steal the dollars off the multi-million dollar brand marketing campaigns very, very well. And we saw that when we took out Supplier of the Year for Maya with Billy Goat, mm. We actually did that against some very, very big brands who had big skincare marketing budgets, remember? Yep. And we had almost zilch. Mm. But what we did was we invested in the Maya staff Mm. who were selling product in the stores um, when we weren't there. And we spent a lot of time in those Maya, with those Maya staff, training them on our product, building rapport, um, explaining why Billy Goat was worthwhile and who we were and building up a relationship with and, those people. And also enhancing their own personable skills with the customers when they Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So when we weren't there, which is most of the time we weren't because we were a tiny little business, we actually had a whole heap of salespeople in all of those Maya stores who wanted to sell Billy Goat soap. Believed in it. Yeah, because yeah, we had a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And so in the face of, you know, million-dollar marketing campaigns, we managed to take out Supplier of the Year and I think largely because of the Maya staff and mm-hmm. the relationship that we had with them um, and they had a connection with the customer. And if a Maya staff member tells you, look, I work here every day, this is the brand I would select and they've got a good approach with the customer when the customer walks in the door, then, again, they're buying off a person, they're not necessarily selecting the brand. Okay, so what's the, um, what are the strategies or the tools that a person can use to feel more connected to and trusted by a friend, relative, uh, um, a work, workmate or customer? 
Yeah. What are, what are they? Well, yeah. Thank you for asking me, oh, Johnny. That's all right. yeah. Well, like I said, I think the very first step is to be able to really understand where they're coming from. Okay. Take the time to know that and reflect on that. So, And particularly in personal relationships, I think sometimes, you know, if you're on a mission to really convince your partner that you want to go and see some rom-com at the movies, mm-hmm. then you kind of go in doggedly, you know, determined to make that happen. I, I would suggest it's worth taking a step back to really get to know where that person's at and um, to think about where they've been even in the past week, you know, who are they? How do I better understand them? So um, if I'm wanting to um, go and see a rom-com with you and it's not really your cup of tea, what I would do first is to take a moment to really think about what your week's been like. Because if your week has been really hectic and a high-pressure, high-stress week because of work, meetings, relationships – then my pitch to you would be based on my understanding of the week you've just had. And so I would then go on to say, listen, I know you've had a really tough week this week Mm -hmm. and I know, you know, you've been really switched on and it's been a very, very big stressful week for you. Am I right in saying that? And Uh, It's a validation for them. Yep. So you're like, yes, yes, yes. I've got an answer. Why don't we just go and do something tonight where you can just veg out? Mm. And you actually don't have to think about anything. You can just take some time out and we can spend some time together. What do you reckon? Solution. Oh, great. And I've got a perfect way that we could do that. Let's just go see a movie that doesn't require any thought or effort. You can just take time out. Let's go and see The Book Club. And a benefit. There you go. So what I've done was instead of I want, I want, I want, let's go on this, but this is what I want to do and if you love me and cared for me, you'd take me to this rom-com, is I've actually come from where you're at. So I begin with you. So you had a goal. Yep. You had an insight. Yeah. Um, and you sure w- saw a way for there to be a benefit. Yep, yeah. that's exactly right. So it's kind of like I'm going to build rapport and empathy with you and then I'm going to lead you, mm. um, uh, which sounds manipulative. It's not. It's just I'm going to connect with you and then I'm going to suggest a, an opportunity to do something Okay, so I, I can, that works and I can see how that works in a relationship with a, a loved one or a, a mm. friend. Um, how does that work you know, with the customer or client? Yeah, look, I think that's really, that is selling 101. So okay. it's about really understanding um, a client's market and before you go and see the client. And nowadays that's really easy to do because pretty much every business has a website and um, we all know how to Google things. So I think it's pretty easy to be able to understand who the customer is, what their business is, what the fundamental of their business is and, you know, who else is in the market with them, even at that most basic level. You can get their, their values, their beliefs, yeah, their mission everything. statements. And uh, even yeah. who their competitors are, yeah. you know. Yeah. You, you could make some assumptions around industry pain points. Yeah. Go, you know, read online um, magazines and newspapers and get to understand the industry really well. Yeah. So the, the idea is that when you go into that, even that initial meeting, you go in like somebody who actually cares. Remember, people like those most like themselves. So the more you can demonstrate that Mm. you know and understand the industry and you have empathy for where they are within that industry, the more likely they are to want to hear what you have to say. All right, so so you've gone with um, uh, a goal, you've got your empathy, you, um, because of your insights... And then you'll have a, a solution uh, with benefits. Yeah. So what's an example of that for a, for a customer? 
Well, look, it might be, um, oh, gee, let me think. It could it could be anything. It could be um, you're going to have, you, you sell, I'm just going to make something up here, um, you sell forklifts. Well, couldn't you, couldn't you use Billy Goat? So if you, yeah, you gave a real example in our relationship. Yeah, can, yeah. can you give a real example in the world? Yeah, for yeah. sure, for yeah. sure. Okay, so I, I've gone in to sell Billy Goat, let's say, um, to the local health food store. Yep. Um, so what I would do is I would actually take the time to understand the health food industry, so who might buy health food products, who is a typical shopper um, in a Govider or a healthy life store, who's a typical shopper. I'd go and do a bit of research about that. What did you learn about them? Oh, you know, a female between the ages of 35 to 45, somebody who's very conscious about what they use in their body and on their skin, so they're health conscious. They want natural products and they want um, something that is um, chemical-free, you know, that they're they're able to use safely, that they perceive to be safe. All right, so that's the customer of the business. What about the business-to-business? Yeah, and and in a business-to-business world, it's about collecting... um, information about what that retailer wants. And so over time and through my ongoing education, um, which is a whole nother podcast episode, but what I found was that retailers really wanted three things. They wanted to make money out of the product they sell. They want the product to um, turn over, like move off their shelves really quickly, and they want traffic to come into the store. So when you sat down with that retailer... right. And you um, connected with that retailer. Exactly. You you empathised with what you yeah. knew. You knew what they wanted. Yeah. Okay. So I was able to say, firstly, you know, if I had to give a bit of a spiel about the product, then I would definitely be able to do that in terms of matching my product to who their customers were. Um, but in terms of meeting those three goals that I knew retailers were looking for, um, then certainly if I was going to look at um, they want to make money. I would be able to talk to them about the money they could make out of a bar of Billy Goat Soap. And not only that, more importantly, I was able to recognise how that margin sat in the context of other products in their store. So if I was going to say to them, and I'm just, you know, it's years, um, I'll be hypothetical here. If I was going to say, look, you've got a 50% margin in this product, which is actually comparable to all the other health food products. Yeah, so uh, skincare products you're selling in the store. So they do a little tick in their head. Yeah, right? to yeah. go, okay, I'm going to yeah. make money out of it. Yeah. Secondly, um, if it's about um, stock turn, you know, let's start by our most popular product, which we know that um, uh, our clients who you know start with the, an opening order would likely reorder from us two weeks down the track. There's another tick. That's it. So that's going to demonstrate to them that put the product in, it's not going to sit on the shelf and get dusty. And the other thing we know is that um, it's really important in any retail environment to have people come into the store. You know, you really want to attract people in. Really proud of the fact that Billy Goat's had a lot of media in the last month and we've had, you know, a current affair, we've had new idea, we've been, you know, online, we've been featured by these influencers online, Um, therefore it's going to drive traffic into the store. That's a good formula, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's about, you know, what's important to them, how do I meet them in their space as opposed to pushing my idea or pushing my product onto them. You're not convincing them or anything, you're just, um, you're just knowing them. Yeah, that's right. 
and and it's that's kind of you know the the I would call it wish selling. You know, mm. I'm going to push my product mm. and wish that you'd buy it off me. Yeah. Um, but in fact, what we're talking about is identifying a pain point. Yeah. And doing that as much as I can before I actually see the customer, identifying the pain point and then offering a solution and doing the same thing in a relationship. You know, if I'm out with my friends, then I'm going to be able to say, hey, guys, I know we're all really, really bored. You know, it's we've just got nothing to do here in this town and it's really boring. So how about tonight we, we do something that's a bit more fun and we yeah. go to laser tag or whatever it happens to be. But it's about coming... It's about calling the emotion or the feeling that the customer or the partner is going to have, yep. calling it, yep. and then finding a solution to that. You're listening to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections. Do you want to spread the word in your workplace, community, team, or school? We're available to speak at your event or deliver customised training. Visit fortitudeatwork.com.au for more info. I remember in a previous podcast when we talked about selling was only for a short period and it, and it was, uh, the podcast was about um, listening and we recognised the value of uh, listening to pain. Yeah. So if you're in the, uh, you're in the business of um, uh, selling um, and you don't have a lot of research of, uh, yeah. information available to you, um, simply sitting down with someone and asking open questions yeah. around their their challenges yeah and reflecting that and getting insight and understanding over that is, about that is the same thing right yeah that's right yeah. but i think that we have to do that in in if you want to be good at sales you have to actually do that from a really authentic point of view yeah. where whoever you're talking to genuinely believes that you have a personal interest in them and helping them you care and if you don't have that actual aligned, yeah. authentic belief in helping them, then you probably shouldn't be have. my opinion is you shouldn't be having the conversation. Yeah, it'll be just another sales rep. That yeah. Yep, yep. And then people do feel manipulated because it's almost like you're tricking them into giving answers that enables you to go, Pam, and have I got the, have I got the solution for you? So that's uh, if you can form... Uh, authentic relationships yeah. where you care about the person and that person may even be a purchasing officer. So yeah. so you, that, forming that relationship uh, has to be around an authentic uh, caring yeah. and also uh, um, wanting to know what it's like to be them in this moment um, so that you can form, form and build that trust yeah. um, and, then, um, and then tell them that, that, that this product or this service is going to fulfil a need and give you benefits yeah. and it will take away some of your pain. Yeah. Yeah. And guess what? There are many instances through those conversations where I've had a realisation that my product isn't going to work in this situation. That's and right. to go, you know what, I'm really glad we've had this talk <clears throat> because I've gotten to know you a bit better. And even though originally I was dying to sell Billy Goat Soap to you, Might not I've be a good come fit. to realise yeah. that it's actually now not a good fit. Yeah, and, I, and uh, only from my, you know, my web my web based business. Yeah. Um, that was the same process, right? It wasn't. Yeah. It, it wasn't a complete uh, connection, but with videos, yeah. um, uh, and talking to the visitors, um, and having uh, insight into their concerns and their fears and their yeah. pain, and, and and telling them authentically from my perspective about what it's done for me yes. with authenticity. Um, that created sales because they went. This this guy. That's get, right. This guy gets me. 
That's right. He he knows he's been there. He's he, he, and and he has found himself a solution that he's suggesting just might be yes. a solution for me, and I'm going to give it a try. Yes, and, and that's why that website makes sales. Yeah, and and I think it's worth um, remembering too that uh, saying. Look, how many people live in Australia at the moment? Is it 26 million, I think? There's not a lot of us. There's only a few of us. We're lucky to bump into each other, really. They're the same as what live in LA, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. something like that. But the reality of it is from small business to small business, if there are times when I will say to a, a potential small business client, look, this is not a good fit here, the reality of it is that there's someone else down the road who's going to be a good fit for me. Mm. And I would much rather build a positive relationship moving forward that is sustainable than grab a quick sale that's going to die in the ass. Yeah, and the and the lifetime value, people yeah. talk about lifetime values of sales, there's also lifetime values in relationships with people in business. Yeah. So that person, the the authenticity that you've, that you've uh, given across there, that person may move into another position or another company. That's or exactly place. right. Oh, um, how many times did that happen, yeah, remember? Well, it happens all the time in Australia. <laughs> so they may actually go into a business where whatever you were selling is a great fit now and, yeah. and you're the first person they're going to think of. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. um, I think in within the interaction, you know, yes, you'd ask a range of questions, we'd ask a range of open questions, we'd ask a range of closed questions, we would determine what the pain points are and get to know that a lot better. But equally and authentically, um, either make a recommendation or don't. But don't pitch from a way that's, you know, I think we all have our authenticity radar on, don't we? We all know when somebody's genuinely interested or somebody's just trying to lead me to an outcome they think I should have. And there's no longevity in business relationships from making a sale that doesn't fulfil a a need or a benefit because um, their whole experience of you will end up being negative. Yeah. And there's no future chance of a sale there. It's gone. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I think, you know, authentically going, you know, I genuinely believe I can help you here mm. is uh, is the way to make a great sale that will be a repeat customer yeah. Yeah. for the years to come yeah. as opposed to a quick sale and you've got to go find someone else new yeah. and they're going to run out eventually, yeah. and even being, though there's lots of us. And being caring you know, and gracious. Churn. And caring and gracious in a non-sale yeah. and the value of that. Yeah. And I, I think the other thing that helps too in selling is um, whoever is responsible for the, the sale or the process remains responsible all the way through, mm. all the way through, does everything, does the work and does the effort. And I think that that's true for, you know, trying to influence people in relationships. So if we come back to the example of me convincing you mm. that we're going to go and see a rom-com, mm. then I'm going to also take responsibility for booking the tickets mm saying, okay, well, let's, you know, head out the door at 7 o'clock tonight and then maybe even, you know, standing in line and buying the popcorn and the drinks because if my pitch has been built on you're tired and stressed, therefore let's go and see the rom-com, then it's kind of unfair to have an expectation that suddenly then you're going to buy the tickets, you're going to stand in queues, you're going to get the popcorn. Mm. I think it has to be a whole experience and not just part of an experience and that works really, really well in, um, in a sales environment where the salesperson becomes completely responsible for the experience and the process. From start to finish. Yep. Where that falls down mm. is when the salesperson is not responsible and where that typically comes it's out. Handed, handed off to another department. Or, or yeah. they say, oh, will you call me when you're ready? Yeah. 
or they ring to talk to somebody, that person's not there and they say, can you ask them to call me back? Yeah. As opposed to saying, I'll call back again later on. Yeah. And the minute you hand over responsibility for the transaction or the sale, it's going to go nowhere and you're actually stuck. They because from you, not from you. Yeah, that's right. Not from your delivery department. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. And um, why should somebody call you back just so that you can sell to them? Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Mm. So I think being um, being responsible for the sale. And, and of course, the all-important part is the close. Yep. But I think that that comes um, very much part of you know, what did you what goal did you want in the first place. Yeah. So if my goal was to get you to come to the latest rom-com at, you know, Hoyt's Theatre, then my close will be, oh, will I go buy the tickets for the 7 o'clock session or the 9 o'clock session? Do you want that delivered Thursday or Monday? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that sounds a little bit cheesy, but yeah. you, let's not be afraid to get to close, yeah. to, to an outcome, yeah. um, because that just gives everybody a sense of achievement then, yeah, well, even the purchaser. Well, it has a beginning, middle and an end. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly that's right. satisfying. Yeah, exactly For right. For everyone. Win, yeah. win, win, win. So I think what we've done today is we've demonstrated that um, selling is is not, um, you know, n- not a, an evil word. No. It's a positive thing, provided that we come from a positive, authentic place with it. And we're all selling to one another. So, and there is a beginning, middle and end to the process, whether it's, you know, getting you to buy me a bunch of flowers tomorrow, Johnny. Yeah. Or um, um, selling, you know, a car from a car yard. It all comes down to those connections and those yeah, relationships. Yeah, connections. Yeah comes down to ordinary people having extraordinary connections. Oh, well done. Oh, thanks. <laughs> See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ordinary People, Extraordinary Connections with Leanne and John. Connect with us via Facebook at Fortitude at Work. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. See you next time. <laughs>